The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Looks good, doesn't it, huh? Uh, if it's not raining, right? Yeah, this summer has been uh, a challenge. But a couple of months ago, I definitely felt like I was living the good life as my family and I were traipsing around the west coast of Ireland. And uh, so I, and I think back this morning uh, to one of those days. So we, we came to a point as we were in Ireland, we had one free day. So we did what we wanted to do that day, which meant that uh, my son slept through the day and uh, my daughter sat in bed reading a book all day. And Jen and I decided we were gonna go climb a mountain. So uh, we're on this mountainside and uh, we're climbing up this mountain where the only, the, the only creatures anywhere were the sheep and the horses on the mountain. And, uh, you know, the, mountainside, the mountains there in this area are just all grass hillsides, right? Or, you know, and stuff. So there's no trees. But there were some ruins on top of this mountain. So we climb up, check out the ruins. We get over to the other. Uh, so then we cross over to the next mountain. And, uh, and from the other mountain, you can see the ocean and the coast and everything, and it's just so cool, and it, the scenery unbelievable, and, and so I'm like, Jen, I'm going to go down this side, Let, let's go down that, that, this side of the mountain, like, so we can see everything and get the views and everything. My wife looks and says, well, I'm not sure that's a good idea, Dave, to go down that side of the mountain, and uh, I'm like, me, with no depth perception, okay, you got to understand, I have a problem with my eyes, I literally have no depth perception, I look down, it looks like just the other mountain to me, you know, just, I see the grassy hillside, I'm like, oh, we could do this, come on, and Jen's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm following you this time, Dave, and uh, you go ahead and lead the way, I'm going that way, I'm going back the way we came, I'm like, fine, you know, I, I'm going to go do this. You go back the way you came, right, you know. And, and so I was leading, but nobody was following. And about a third of the way down the mountain, I realized I had made a mistake. I, it wasn't so much that it was dangerous as, oh, my word, it was so much more work than I had anticipated. I mean, this was way steeper as I came, you know, I, I go down the little grass area and then, you know, the, my lack of depth perception, I come over and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, crap. Should I have said that? Probably shouldn't have said that. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm like, this is much worse than I thought, right? You know, and so I'm a third of the way down. I can't go back now because that's way too much work. And so I managed to eventually get myself down the mountain, uh, had to walk through about 100 yards of brush that was waist deep, and I'm in shorts. So, uh, you know, it was definitely a rougher trip down than I expected. And then, you know, we're texting back and forth, trying to find each other. Jen's like, I'm not sure if I'm going the right way. And, and, and everything is a mess. Everything's in chaos because Dave uh, was leading the wrong way, right? Um, oftentimes, our life feels like this. Like our world is a mess and in chaos because our leaders aren't leading anywhere. Either they're incapable or they're leading the wrong way on purpose or they simply aren't equipped to go the right direction to lead the way. And so we're left feeling like our world, the communities around us, everything around us is in chaos, often caused by, by poor leadership, whether it's harsh parenting or uh, a difficult boss or poor role models in our life or self-serving politicians. See, what others do 
especially those in leadership over us, affects our ability to live the good life. The communities we live in are mired in a crisis of leadership, or in some cases, maybe more to the point, a crisis of a lack of leadership, or just bad leadership. And in our world, people will push back now. They don't trust leadership, so they push back at any attempt to correct or to hold somebody to a higher standard. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. Hey, look, we're all kind of in the same boat. We have this attitude of, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do because we don't trust the leadership around us. And that's the adults in our communities. That's us. But you, and, you know, so the children are growing up without, uh, without any direction, without any examples, without any inspiration in their life. And here we find ourselves an opioid crisis threatens the city of Hagerstown. Teenagers are raising themselves, sometimes because the parents are ill-equipped to lead the way. Sometimes the teenagers are the most mature people in the house. They're the only ones trying to lead. And so they end up leading themselves. Talk of the future in these days you know, talking about the future used to bring excitement and anticipation, but in our day and age, when you talk about the future, it tends to bring more anxiety than it does anticipation. And so, all the while, our leaders, they're fighting and bickering. Why? Because all they care about is getting reelected. Meanwhile, nothing of substance ever gets done. And all of this in our world, it leaves us suspicious and cynical, not trusting anybody in leadership, doubting, and oftentimes we doubt that there is even a solution out there for our world. We think our society is just going to keep getting worse. There's no hope. Is there any hope? We doubt that that hope even exists. Is there anybody out there that could lead the way, that could help us to turn the tide? Well, as a young pastor in biblical times, a man named Timoth or Titus uh, was pastoring on the island of Crete, and you know he was facing a, a situation where the culture on Crete was pretty much very similar to what we face today. They were in a crisis of, uh, of leadership. Sin was overtaking people's lives. Uh, people were living for themselves selfishly, not caring about each other. The, the, the society and the culture was degenerating. And, and Titus, like us, wondered if there was any hope. Who could possibly turn the tide? Who could possibly lead the way? It wasn't even possible. And so he faced the same solutions we do. Is there a solution? So Paul writes, a, knowing that Titus is going through all these questions, Paul writes a letter to Titus, the Apostle Paul. And this letter has become known as the book of Titus in the New Testament. And it's really just a letter from Paul's heart to Titus. And knowing what Titus is going through, that, that, those questions, the difficult circumstances, the culture he was in. And he writes this letter from his heart to Titus. And uh, in verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul basically gives Titus the solution to the problems Crete was facing. And here it goes. Titus 1 verse 5. Paul says to Titus, I left you on the island of Crete, so you could complete our work there. You see, Paul's solution for Crete was simple. 
Titus, quit complaining. Titus, quit waiting for somebody else to do something. Titus, stop looking around wondering if there's a solution. You are the solution. You need to lead the way. You need to step up and lead the way. And you know what Paul's challenge to Titus? Paul would echo that challenge to you and I today. If there is any hope for the situation, for our circumstances, if there is any hope for our communities, it's going to become, it's going to come from you and I. It's going to come from us stopping our laying back and just waiting for somebody else to do something just complaining about the circumstances. It's going to take us to stop complaining and stop looking around. God is saying to us today, it's you and I. We are responsible to lead the way. We are responsible to make a, dish, make a difference. You see, God has placed you where he has placed you in life. When you go to work, you're not just there to make money. You're there because God has placed you in a unique situation. You have a unique influence in a unique group of people that maybe nobody else will ever be able to show them a better life, the good life, a godly life. And so God has placed each and every one of us where we are to lead the way. God is saying, quit waiting for someone else to come save the day. God is not going to send a leader. Look, God is not going to send Superman from another planet to come and save the day. God is not sending a leader. God is sending all of us to lead the way. And you know how you lead the way? Listen, I told you, people don't want you to tell, you, tell them what to do. Look, do you want somebody coming and telling you how to live, you what to do? What's your first reaction? I want somebody telling me what to do. Listen, true leadership True leadership is not preached out. True leadership is lived out. We don't need to tell them what to do. We need to show them that the good life is possible. They don't need somebody telling them how to live the good life. They need somebody to show them it's possible in the midst of all the crud. It's possible in the midst of difficult times, in good times, in bad times. It's possible to still live the good life, to still be that per leader. True leadership it's not preached out. True leadership is lived out. And so today's big idea is live what you lead. For me, my influence, my leadership, if I want to lead the way, if I want to make a difference in this world, it doesn't start on this stage. It's not about what I say up here today. It's about what I do when I walk off the stage. True leadership for me Listen, I can come up here and fake it, but I can't fake it when I get home. True leadership is when I get home and am I giving a good example to my family. True leadership for me is when I get to work. Look, I don't want to be just another, I, I don't want to just teach them how to do math. I want to be the kind of teacher that kids know cares about them. I want to inspire them to do things they didn't think they could do. I want to be an example, a role model they can look up to. Too often in our world, too many people are, are, are getting rid of that responsibility. Hey, I'm not a role model. I just live my life the way I want to. Listen, as a Christian, 
You don't have that option. Being very blunt this morning, we don't get that choice. God expects us to be a role model. God expects us to be the example. But you know what? Let's be honest. It's not as easy as it sounds, right? Sounds easy. Just live it out. Just live what you lead, right? But see, you know, our leaders, virtually every leader starts out wanting to do what's right. And they're able to do what's right. But somewhere along the way, they become more focused on what's good for them. And they get, and, and we face circumstances. Virtually every leader starts out with good intentions and ends up selfishly doing what's best for themselves. And you know what? We're really not much different. We start out with good intentions, but every one of us faces the same problems because the Bible says that we are, our, our spiritual life is corrupted by something called sin. And sin is what the Bible refers to when we make decisions. You see, we all start off wanting to do what's right, but then we become focused on what's good for ourselves and not what God wants for our lives. And those decisions to, to do what we want instead of what God wants, that's what the Bible calls sin. And that sin will eventually corrupt us and, and leave us in need of a Savior. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ down here to show us the good life, to show us to live the good life. Jesus is the only one who's been able to come and live a perfect life, the Son of God. And so he lived the perfect life so that he could then take on our punishment. You see, we were all headed to eternal destruction because of our selfishness, but then God steps in. And Jesus took our place by living the good life, by living a perfect life. And he steps in and he gives us the, the ability to, it offers us forgiveness and salvation. Sin will ruin our lives. It'll cause us, instead of serving others, it causes us to use them for our own selfish needs. And so we end up living selfishly. But then Jesus comes in. And so, uh, and God makes it as easy as possible to start. So this is where it starts, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to lead? You first become a follower. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, and Paul invited us to follow his example as he follows the example of Christ. You see, to lead the way, you have to follow Christ first. And so we become followers of Jesus. Then, and only then, can other people follow us as we follow Christ. You know, we often don't feel up to the task. We often feel like, man, I, I don't think I can step up. This is for other people. This is for pastors. This is for the, you know, the leaders at church. It, no. God is calling every one of us to lead the way. And look, I get it. We don't often feel like we're up to the task of leading the way, of showing the way to our community, of showing the way to the people around us. It's easy to feel like you're not up to the task. But listen, if God can use the goofy math teacher with the four earrings and a ponytail and wears jeans and t-shirt and sandals. I don't even have socks on this morning, so I don't know. You know, listen, if God can use me, he can use anybody. God is calling every one of us. So nobody is exempt from this message this morning. Reading on uh, Titus chapter 1, going down to verse 7, says, so how do we do this? How do we live what we lead? 
So Paul writes further down, verse 7, he says, A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Now before we get into talking about our actions, I want to take note that what Paul is saying, before you become a leader, it starts by being all of these things. A few weeks ago, Derek Amsler uh, was our guest speaker, and he stood up here and he said, the order matters. If you were here, you'll remember his butt face illustration. Okay, the order matters, right? Well, guess what? The order matters here too. You don't wait till you have influence to start doing what's right. You have to live before you lead. And so that's the first thing that we do if we want to if we want to make a difference, we have to live before we lead. We have to start, we have to show the, the life out first. And let our life speak. But we have to start now. You start somewhere, it starts by living, living it out first. A few years ago, I, I made the change from teaching. I'd taught for 10 years in Williamsport. And then I moved to North High. And uh, I'm going to be just very raw and transparent right now. And uh, I was a little nervous about going to North High, and the reason was simple. Um, we live in North High's area. Leitersburg Cinemas, I'm, I'm the campus pastor here in North High's area. I got to go to work in Williamsport where nobody knew who I was. And it was nice. I could compartmentalize my life. I could be... I could act how I wanted to act. There wasn't any consequences, right, in that sense. I'm not saying I was this horrible person or anything, but I'm saying, you know, I could compartmentalize my life. And my worlds kind of came all crashing together when I moved over to North High. And I remember I, my first year there, a few months in, another teacher uh, called me on the carpet for my attitude. And uh, I, I remember being a little bit, like, taken back and was, uh, was kind of upset, like, you know, I felt like I was being called out for my attitude when it wasn't any different. You know, look, hey, we all have our complaints in life, right? But, you know, I felt like I was being called out for something. But then later on, as I talked to the teacher again, they, they said to me, they said, I know who you are outside of church or outside of school, and I expect more out of you. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> All of a sudden, it hit me. Yeah, I was failing. I was failing to li live out what I was leading. You see, we don't get that option. We don't get the ability to be one way on Sunday and another way Monday through Saturday because people are watching us. People are looking up, up to you. You may not think anybody's watching. I guarantee you, people are watching. I don't care if you're 10 years old here today. Somewhere there is a 9-year-old watching what you do. Every one of us have people watching us. And even when we don't think so, I didn't think anybody was paying attention. But it turned out somebody was. And they expected more out of me. And suddenly I realized I was not living up to the responsibility God. More importantly, it was what God was expecting of me. God expects me to be better. God expects me to show that there is a better way. Yeah, that's tough. Yes, that's you. We sometimes feel like, it's not fair, God. I should be able to be like everyone else. God says, tough luck. 
Listen, I get it. This is not an easy message to preach. It's not, you know, this is not the jump up and shout them down type thing when I have to say this, but it's true. And I'm being very raw here with you this morning myself, just simply saying, look, I've screwed up. I've made mistakes. But we don't have the option to sit back and not lead. It's not okay to sit back and not lead. As Christ followers, we have to, you know, Titus's job was to complete the work on Crete. And guess what? It's our job to complete whatever work God puts in front of us, to be a role model in wherever we go and whatever we do. And we do this by living it first. You know, don't worry about having to say the right things. True leadership is not preached. True leadership is lived. Live it out. Forget the words you say. People don't want to hear your words until they have seen you live the life. When they, need to, when they find themselves in crisis, who are they going to turn to? They're going to turn to the people that they've seen live it out. You may feel like you're only capable of making a 1% difference in your neighborhood. Well, guess what? Make that 1% difference. Stand up and make that 1% difference because sooner or later, somebody else is going to see you making a 1% difference and they're going to go, man, I want to do that too. And they're going to join along and make another 1% difference. And as a math theorist guy, I can tell you, I promise you, one plus one is two. Now you've made twice as much of a difference. And then as you two together keep going, sooner or later, two people are going to follow both of you and that's going to be two plus two is four. And you can see how the math is going to work, right? And if you don't understand the math involved here, how long it's going to take to make a real difference, I'll explain it to you in the lobby afterwards. Uh, but, uh, you know, but listen, I don't care. You may feel like you can't make much of a difference. Don't worry about how much of a difference you can make. Stand up and make the difference that you can. The goal is not to become a leader. That's not the focus here. The goal is to follow Christ, to become more Christ-like. Leadership is simply the natural result of living for Christ. It's, you don't need to be able to preach. You don't need to be able to sing. You don't need to be able to play an instrument. You don't need to be able to do any. You don't need to have any talents to offer. You simply need to be able to live a godly lifestyle. And what it means is there's nothing we do that's unimportant. So step one, live it out first. Get the order right. The order matters. Live it first. You don't want to be caught in a situation like me where you're, you're called out for, for not living out what you say. Step two, so we live it out. We live what we live. We, sorry, the order matters. We live it first. Live before you lead. Step two, live blameless. Coming from the same scripture we just read, we live blameless. So the word blameless means above reproach, of good reputation. Does your life speak for itself? Are you in private what you appear to be in public? You see, we have to live in such a way that our private life is beyond reproach. We have to be people of integrity and honesty. People are watching for that. You see, in our world around us, integrity and honesty sticks out. It stands out. People expect you to cheat on your taxes. People expect you to take what you can get from other people. Even People expect you to live selfishly. 
But when we live honestly and with integrity and put others first, it stands out in the world around us. I go back and read verse 7 again, where Paul said this, A leader must live a blameless life. A leader must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. A leader must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. To To paraphrase Paul, how you treat others matters. Not only does the order matter, but your actions matter as well. Losing your temperature, temperature. (laughs) Losing your temper. Yeah, I'll get it right here. Don't worry about it. So, like I said, true leadership is not preached out, and that's good because I'm all tongue-tied today. Uh, Losing your temper, being dishonest, all those things, they will invalidate your ability to set an example, to be a role model that others would want to follow. How you treat others matters, and how you treat especially those closest to you matter. As I've said, I've already shared, I'm not perfect. Far from it. Ask the softball team. They can tell you I'm not perfect. Okay, They've got a few stories I'd rather they not tell. Uh, But they enjoy telling those stories, probably. Uh, But my wife and kids can also attest to the fact I'm not perfect. But listen, saying you're not perfect is not an excuse to live however you want to live. See, I also hope and believe firmly that what I, how I live at home mimics what I preach on this stage. And if you ask my wife and kids, they'll tell you I'm not perfect, but I'm confident they will also tell you that I try very hard to be the same person at home that I am up here on this stage. So you hear me yell all the way down to yelling prayer time. At home, it's dinner time. So if you're here for our prayer circle, you hear me go through the lobby going, prayer time! At home, it's dinner's ready! And believe me, if they're anywhere within a 10-mile radius, they know dinner is ready. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I try very hard, and I, but I'm confident that they will tell you, not that I'm right, at, not that I get it right every time, but I am confident that they will tell you that I try my best to be the same person at home that I am here on this stage. And, and I, I'm kind of stepping out on a limb by even saying that, because now you can go ask them, right, and find out if what he's telling is, if what I'm saying is true. But that's my goal. My goal is to be the same person Monday through Saturday that I am on Sunday. Sometimes I fail, yes, but that is not an excuse to stop trying. And so I say the same thing to you. Live blameless. And you might be sitting there thinking, but what if I've messed up? What if I've made mistakes that I can't fix? Listen, I get it. Some mistakes, some mistakes can't be undone. But here's the cool thing. But all mistakes can be forgiven. We sometimes can't undo our mistakes. But they can be forgiven. Listen, don't make my mistake. People are watching you whether you think they are or not. So, the order matters. We live it first. Our actions matter. Live blameless. And finally today, I want to read verse 8 from Titus chapter 1. It says this, Rather, he, a leader, a church leader, must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. 
And I want to focus on one phrase there that says, he must love what is good. We live it out by living a blameless life, and we live it out by loving what is good. And so that's the last thought this morning I want to share with you. The last principle is love what is good, and here's what it means. Living blameless is about doing the right thing. Loving what is good is about doing the right thing for the right reasons. You see, it's not just enough to do the right thing. God wants our motivations to matter as well. Our actions matter. The order matters. Our motivations matter as well. You know, the, the Jews, uh, the Jewish leaders approached Jesus and they were trying to catch him in a trap. And they said, Jesus, what is the most important thing for us to live out? What is the most important one of the laws and the scriptures that we're supposed to live out? And what they were doing is they were setting him up because no matter what he answers, they'll say, oh, so we don't have to do this? So we don't have to be like this? And so Jesus knew they were trying to trap him, so he simply said this. He said, basically, look, I'm going to sum it all up in two sentences. And Jesus literally summed up everything that God will ever ask us to do in two sentences. And he says this in Mark 2, chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What Jesus was basically saying is, everything I ever ask you to do is born out of one of these two motivations. Your love for God and your love for other people. You see, I can come up here and I can fake it on the stage. But I can't fake it Monday through Saturday. I can't fake it at home. If I don't treat my family right, if I don't treat others right, if my motivations are wrong, it eventually comes out. And people will eventually see. Because what happens is that that lack of, of correct motivations, if we're not doing it out of a love for God and our love for other people, what eventually happens is we start to lose that, that, that desire to even do what is right. And eventually we, the cracks start to come and people start to see through us. And so this morning, yeah, I know, this is one of those heavy messages because we're expecting something. Well, it's not me. Look, it's God. God expects something out of us. And so the order matters. Look, we start there. You've got to live for God. You've got to live it first. Don't worry about Leadership is not on stage. True leadership is not preached out. True leadership is lived out. So we have to live it. Let God worry about the words. People don't want to hear you tell them how to live the good life. They want to see that it's possible to live a good life. So or, the order matters. The actions matter. We have to live blameless. We have to do our best. We'll make some mistakes along the way, but we're not going to use that as an excuse. We're going to do our best to do what's right. And finally, our motivations matter as well. I'm going to close in prayer here, and I want to pray for you. But here's what, how I want you to pray. As we seek God, and listen, we're not going to just seek God in prayer. We're going to seek God in prayer and then in worship. This message isn't over. This time with God is not over. My time is over. My time is up. I'm looking down here. No more words. It's time for God to, it's time for us to just seek God.
And so, as we pray, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never had a relationship with God, here's the good news. It's really simple. In your own words, in your own way, in your own heart, as we pray, you can just let God know, God, I need you in my life. You're not in my life. I need you in my life today. God's not impressed with fancy prayers. You don't have to say things the right way or do anything. You just got to let God know, God, I'm ready. I need you. And that's all it takes. His forgiveness and his salvation is free. And all you got to do is let him know you need it. For the rest of us, I'm going to challenge you as we go to pray. I'm going to challenge you right now. I'm going to challenge you to open your heart over these next few minutes as we pray and then as we worship. Open your heart to God and allow him to speak into your life where maybe the cracks are showing. Maybe you've grown accustomed to just making an excuse for something in your life that you know you need to fix and get rid of. Would you allow God to speak to you about that today? That's, a, that's tough, I know. Maybe it's your motivation. Maybe you've lost the right motivation and you know you're, you're frustrated and things because you've been trying to live the good life, but it's not born out of your love for God and your love for other people. Would you let God speak to you? Would you let God this morning? Look, I don't, I don't know what applies to you in your life, but God does. So it's not about me trying to speak it to you. It's about God. So let's take a few minutes. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship. and We're going to let God speak to us, Heavenly Father. For those who are simply saying to you, they need you in their life for the first time, God, I just pray that they would have that assurance, that confidence in their heart right now, that you love them and accept them just as they are, and that you will be with them and help them to become a follower of Jesus right now. God, for the rest of us, we simply open our hearts to you right now, Lord God. Lord, we're not perfect, but God, as we look around at our city, as we look around at our neighborhoods, Somebody's got to lead. And Lord, we're not going to pass the buck this morning. What do we need to do differently to be that role model, to be that leader you need us to be, that you've called us to be? No more excuses, God. What do I need to fix in my life? What do I need to improve in my life to be the man that you've called me to be? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.